0: The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, (laughs) Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of The Recruiter's Lounge originally aired January 17, 2007. The title was Democrats, Recruiters, and Pending Legislation. This was the description. Democrats are in power and recruiters should be concerned. Jim Stroud, Karen Mattnan, and Doug Beabout discuss pending legislation and other issues affecting the recruiting industry. This was a uh, very interesting episode, as I recall. Uh, You're here for yourself uh, right after this.
1: Do you love four-letter words? Who doesn't?
0: And then you mix recruiting news
1: and insights in with those four-letter words. I'm Cheese. And I'm Chad. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. We We out. out.
2: Launching an innovation in HR tech is no small feat. With all of the noise and countless vendors in the market, sometimes the most promising innovations don't get the chance they deserve to impact HR. And while early and growth stage founders are highly innovative, most aren't experts at scaling revenue to drive growth and support their vision, which can mean the end of the road for many startups. That's where PureACV comes in. We've had the great fortune of working with some of the most innovative brands in HR tech for over three decades to build compelling messaging and solid, scalable teams that drive growth, giving these innovations a chance to impact how HR is done. To learn more, visit us at pureacv.com.
0: Demand. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. Welcome to The Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry. And it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in The Recruiter's Happy New Year! Today's date, January 2007. I am here podcasting and you are there listening, and for that, I am grateful. Just as a heads up, I have redesigned my site for the new year and would really appreciate some feedback. Uh, So if you would, check out jimstroud.com. That's J I M S T R O U D.com. And leave a comment uh, on a blog post there or drop me an email. I can reach that jimstroud at jimstroud.com. Whatever works for you uh, works for me. So. Uh, again send the feedback I really appreciate it well uh, enough of all that on with the show right after a brief word from our sponsor today's podcast is sponsored by Barbara Ling's Rise Internet Recruiting 2.0 training Barbara Ling the pioneer in online recruiting has created a comprehensive and unique resource for mastering internet sourcing strategies quickly and easily If you are a skilled and savvy researcher looking to upgrade your skills or a beginner who only uses email and a telephone, Barbara Ling's RISE Internet Recruiting 2.0 training is for you. Learn the basics of recruitment blogging, unlock the mystery of Boolean searches, and discover deep web resources, virtual communities, and proven strategies for sourcing passive candidates and more. Take your recruiting to the next level now. Go to this web address and see it for yourself. www.jimstroud.com slash training. That's www.jimstroud.com slash training. That's www.jimstroud.com slash training. That's www. Hello, and welcome once again to the Recruiter's Lounge. I'm your host, Jim Stroud, and with me in the lounge chair is the lovely, talented, beauty, wise, and all these great wonderful faculties I can make of, Karen Madden. How are you, Karen? <laughs> Hi,
2: Jim.
0: <laughs> happy New Year. That's right. It's a happy, it is a new year. Happy New Year to you, too. And sitting beside Karen, um, the wise one, Doug B. About. How are you, Doug?
1: Good, Jim. Good, Karen. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing well, thank
2: you. Doing well.
1: It's a new year, new things to talk about, new topics
0: on the horizons. Um, I think some things have changed since we last talked, Karen.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: one of them being the Democrats have swept the uh, the House there, and um, not that I'm a big political expert or, or, or can be a pundit like so many others, but one thing I have noticed historically about Democrats being in office is that they love regulation, and I'm wondering. How concerned I should be if they start turning their eyes towards the recruiting industry, since recruiting is the number one service, in the service industry, it's the number one fastest-growing industry in the service industry. Do you think I should be concerned about Democrats um, uh,
1: forcing regulation on us?
0: What's your ben, opinion? wanted to take this
2: one.
1: Well, I think, yes, I think their intent would be to do so, uh, mainly because the agencies of the federal and state governments that would be most Likely interested in putting a regulatory control over recruiting and personnel services are largely um, connected with the Democratic Party. Uh, their causes are something the Democratic Party has identified itself with. And I think that, uh, you know, on, from, from that level of perspective, I think we have to have some concern. But, but I think our concern should be deeper based on another fact, and that's that our industry in this emergent marketplace has become repopulated once again with quite a few recruiters and some have returned from the recession period uh where they fell off the wagon as they say uh they're back on they're back on the on the gravy train again and they're trying to take advantage of which I don't blame them of a strong recruiting marketplace companies are starting to hire more uh they're expanding they're investing in projects and plants and acquisitions which demands greater numbers of qualified people from a historically minimized candidate pool and for all these factors coming together there's an increase in the amount of actual recruiting going on, which brings the you know, the fact to bear that recruiting is the number one growth industry in service. So all of these things put spotlights on us.
2: That and, and the fact that they are educated.
1: And the problem I see as an industry speaker and a trainer and a practitioner is that a lot of people come into our industry uh, in a manner that's really not much more complicated than throwing up their own shingle and saying I'm a recruiter. And so their standards of ethics and practices are all over the charts. And that tends to bring litigation, that tends to bring disgruntled candidates, displeased clients, now on on top of all that we've got a bigger push than i've seen since jimmy carter was president for an increase in investigatory activity and enforcement of eeo legislation and laws and guidelines as well as now this new office of federal contract compliance and all of its regulations regarding federal contracts and and people might be naive in this day and age to think, oh, well, what's that got to do with me? My clients aren't federal contractors, when, in fact, if you follow the money in this country, you see that the greatest amount of our gross national wealth is going towards the military industrial complex. Anytime that happens, there's going to be, at some point in that chain, a federal contract. Now, I think that before you blow it off, the fact that, you know, my company makes canned tomatoes, what do we have to do with the federal government? You'd be surprised. So you need to check that out and make sure you come into compliance. If recruiters, my whole point, Jim and Karen, is this. If recruiters as a whole in a new industry, an emerging industry, and their actions bring attention to us, then that combined with, as you said, Jim, a wave of, of Democratic representation in the House, mm-hmm. uh, I think that there is great potential for an increased focus on legislation. Regulatory control over personnel services, but that said, keep in mind you have to have 270 votes in Congress to pass this stuff. And now, well, to pass it, to pass it without presidential veto. So for the next couple of years, I think it would be if, if a bill were introduced or a law, in, you know, a bill for uh, legislation were introduced um, to regulate personnel services or. Uh, uh, a law were introduced where personnel services was a tag item, you know, pork barrel item attached to that bill. I think we need as an industry to 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 stop spending so much money on pouring lobbyists into Washington to stop that from starting. I think what we need, and that never works when the Democrats are in control. I think what we need to do is look at ourselves. Absolutely. If, if, uh, how can we clean up our act? How can we help our neighbor down the street who doesn't know what he or she should be doing? How can we as a national organization or as a state organization or as a regional organization or as a private collective, how can we put together certifications and educational programs so that people realize I can only do it this way because that's what's considered ethical? I don't think that, you know, there's an old saying that locks don't keep thieves away. They just keep honest people honest. And I think the majority of people who enter into recruiting do so with great intentions and are fundamentally honest people. But what they're faced with and where the problem lies early on is this can be a very frustrating business and this can be a very task-oriented business. It can be fraught with great rewards but it is fraught with many more disappointments than rewards.
2: Now, Doug, I wanted to interject here, okay?
1: Yeah. One
2: of the things that you were talking about, and I want to kind of push them a little bit, that you do for a living. You well, know, what I mentioned and I said because the fact that they're not educated too. We see a lot of the government also coming down on, or looking at us, the radars on us, because recruiters, you know, they, a lot of them don't know. I and mean, then the EOC, for example, even with, you know, Pertains to what we do for a living, or law recruiters don't know that certain actions are, you know, taking a job order that the client says, "Hey, I want you to find somebody who's got pink eyes, blonde hair, and you know, big boobs. Can you get that person for okay. me?" Woo-hoo! You know, they'll go ahead and do it. The thing is, those are the kind of things that put radars on us. Oh, are yeah. you an educator in this industry? How do you see that the lack of education could be biggest problem? in regards to maybe possible regulation or bringing more of a radar towards us, like with regards to Sarbanes-Oxley?
1: Well, I think uh, an educational initiative wave or highly visible, highly promoted reality in recruiting internally would be a double-edged sword in our favor because on the one hand, it would do what it's supposed to do. It would educate people in recruiting processes and in recruiting techniques and tactics that if they're highly effective and they're highly competitive, they will be by nature ethical and moral and at a high level of professionalism. That's a given. But the second side of that sword is this. If, if these legislators and agencies see a groundswell and a ground level movement of recruiters to be more ethical, more, more professional, highly trained, the programs exist, and that kind of evidence can be put in front of their state and federal legislators they're going to say you know we don't need to spend our time on that issue there's a lot of other social ills that need cured let's work on that and the only way you're going to divert a lawmakers attention away from legislating for you know legislating on top of you is to make you you need to make yourself look like you're self regulated and so i think that that, that the education is all education and training is always the core issue behind any industry that is effectively self-regulated. And I think you'll find that the standards and practices of recruiting in our industry today, and this is where it's different than it's ever been before, Karen, Jim, our industry is facing an absolutely unique market opportunity here. To set up a a regulation like a national code or a license of some sort? Well, maybe, but I think that what we do to make a living is unique in history. Hmm. There are those today who already know this, and there are those who will learn it later, but it's pay me now or pay me later. This isn't going to change. What I'm getting at is the companies that paid us fees in the past paid us fees for any candidate. We could get them any way we could get it. And didn't want to get involved, didn't want to be too concerned, didn't want to be trained, didn't want to hold down staff to replace any efforts we could make. Hmm. But now, employers, as a result of late investments in the latter part of the recession and in training during that period, have learned how to find the candidates on the internet, scour the job sites, glean everything they can with spiders and web bots and web crawlers. They've learned how to do all this. And it's spreading like a wildfire throughout corporate America. Hey, you can do this. It's cheap You know, for the investment of, in technology that's less than your average recruiter's fee. You can learn how to do all this. Okay, I applaud that. I go for it, guys. I think it's wonderful. I help companies learn how to do that. I do in-house training to teach companies how to do that for themselves because it doesn't hurt what I do for a living. Let me ask you this, too, because I know we... I'm a, custom, I'm a custom surgical recruiter. Right. Therefore, what we as an industry need to focus on is two big initiatives. One, let's let's wake up and smell the coffee and realize how we're going to have to earn a living. And number two, let's learn how to do it ethically, honestly, and morally.
0: Let me ask you this, too. And sorry to interrupt before, but I just interject a minute. Um, you're talking to different companies. You're seeing different things as you're training them, and I know we sort of discussed this uh, offline, prior to an interview before about how companies are changing. Uh, and, and I'm seeing a bit of this, too, just in the rumor mills, uh, in addition to, to talking with you and Karen about it, in that uh, there seems to be a shift in the wind in what companies are looking for from recruiters. Uh, you mentioned that they are learning how to do things uh, on their own. So it's, it's going to be a sort of a higher standard uh, being set among companies, that's a trend I'm seeing. Can you go more into what you were saying about how companies are looking for more niche-centered recruiters in the future, that kind of thing?
1: yeah yeah I, I think that you know if you look let's 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 look at the future and let's look at the present by starting with the past. In the past, the metrics by which a company judged a recruiting firm was very simple. Mm. Did they find us someone we could hire? That was the bottom line, and that was the front line. the The epiphany they went through uh, with their you know, with being able to internalize their own skill sets and staff, at doing all of the candidate poaching and candidate database building that they've they've engaged in over the last two, three years. A lot of companies have substantial databases of people, but what they do not have substantial databases of are passively employed candidates within their competitors or their desired source organizations that they desperately need to meet the initiatives that they have right now.
2: Okay, I'm going to interject here. Wait a second. There's a lot of recruiters, though, who can say out there, well, Mr. Employer, why can't you just go after them yourself? Tell me, I, do, I see a problem with that. What do you think?
1: Well, what my clients choose to do or what our recruiting industry's clients choose to do as far as going out and recruiting people on their own has never been a big concern for me, Karen, for two reasons. one. I think the smartest and most, I've seen a lot of companies come and go and a lot of companies succeed and fail in 30 years, Karen. And what I have seen consistent is this, among the top winners, among the best of the best, they are companies that don't dawdle in things they really aren't core-competent at doing. And one of the things that most companies should never try to be core-competent at doing is surgical. Recruiting, custom recruiting, going into a source company and actively recruiting a passively employed, passively interested employed candidate. That's our art and science, not theirs. They know that. And there are some companies that try to do that. There are companies, Karen, all these years, I've always seen companies, you know, they'll hire some floundering uh, average biller out of the recruiting industry and bring them inside put them on the corporate staff and say you know we won't have to pay recruiters fees anymore we've got our own recruiter now and that recruiter within months sort of devolves into being nothing but a coordinator to work with other recruiting firms Hmm. and so they don't master it and and i think it makes sense yeah i've worked with a lot of fortune one hundred companies and five hundred companies And I've had these open discussions with them and they've even come to me and said, well, you know, should we build our own internal recruiting staff to do what you do? And I I invariably advise them not to because what they should be doing instead is spending their time and energy and staff allocation at creating an environment where their candidates they hire, their employees, don't want to leave. If you create a compelling workplace, and you create a compelling opportunity for the person you hire, and they and they lack a compelling reason to look outside, they're not going to leave. I can't recruit them. But if you're a company that does most of its work at trying to attract people, then on the sidelines you're building the walls as high as you can around the company, and you're spinning a little bit of concertina wire above it to keep people in, they're never going to be the companies that end up at the top of the pie chart. So, retention is above all crucial, and it's really the best recruiting method is retention. Employment at will is the law of the land, Jim. Karen. Mm. That's the way our country founded, it's the way our country works for the most part, except for certain parts. Employment at will. So, that's what makes America great. That's what makes our company so successful in the world, is that the people who work there work there because they want to. Now, Things happen that are beyond the control of either recruiter or employer that causes a person to have a compelling reason to leave. That's just the way life works. But as a whole, the most successful companies in any industry are highly successful because they can retain talent. That's more important than attracting it. Hmm. You want want a top-producing, highly skilled, multidimensional person, Call the search consultant. He'll get you one. She'll get you one. They'll put that thing together, and you'll have an annuity in your investment in that fee. That person is a dynamic investment. They bring in more money than any machine, any piece of capital equipment. But to your, to your question directly, Jim, should we become niched, I think our first niche is an industry needs to be we will become preferred providers and trusted advisors in a role with companies that are seeking surgical recruiting services. Now, for the efficiency of the recruiter in the recruiter's daily actions, being specialized within an industry or industries, somewhat narrowly defined, and then even to a more narrow definition, perhaps a certain number of professional disciplines within that industry or industries, is a wise and strategically intelligent move because it makes you more efficient, it gets you a a higher profile and a more effective competency network of people from which you can do your recruiting and do your sourcing for companies. But it's also become a growing expectation, it's actually been an expectation of companies for two decades, that the best recruiting firm is going to be in a niche. The uh, 50-year-old fantasy that, well, you know, we're a top-line search firm, uh, and therefore, you know, we specialize in executive search, period, and you don't have to worry about our industry experience because it doesn't matter, we're the best at what we do, uh, that argument start, had, you know, fell apart years ago. And if you look at the top recruiting firms, I don't need to mention names, but there are a top handful of, of the names out there that represent the top retained firms. Even they have become identified within their own practices in certain industries and disciplines. And it only makes sense. I mean, if you had a choice of a general practitioner or
0: a specialist, uh, say a heart, uh, a specialist in in dealing with I don't know obstet- obstetrics. Uh, I'm getting a mind far, brain fart here
1: on what I'm trying to say is, but right. <laughs> obstetric—that's what I'm trying to say. Heart specialist with obstetrics. That would be a wild combination. <laughs> but it, yeah, but I think if you're going to be a you know a recruiter, you should be someone who any industry segment that you specialize in could look to you and say, this person knows the special needs of our industry.
2: Now, Doug, I want to segue into something here, Okay? Uh, Today I was on one of the forums, and I read this question by a young lady. And basically, she was talking about how she wanted to go ahead and find a passive candidate, but she didn't want to pick up the phone. Now, I responded back to her saying to her, suggesting that, maybe she should define first off if she wanted to be a sorcerer or a recruiter and now i know you and i probably don't are agreeing. so we don't like the word sorcerer anyway so we should probably call it researcher um do you see that there is an issue also in this in this industry where companies and recruiters predominantly don't understand the difference between what a recruiter does and what a source does, and that there's not a good, strong line of definition of either two.
1: Well, I think that what we've got here is a digression from what we had a good thing going there for quite a while, and it still is going. Don't get me wrong, but what's happened is we've created a splinter group. Uh, I remember 20 years ago training people and talking groups about implementing research assistance and how critical it was to creating a wealthy uh, practice, a successful practice, and an equitable business. And those people are, uh, you know, in a specific role within a recruiting firm, but they have many different responsibilities. They have many different responsibilities that give more time to the producing recruiter to be creative and less administrative. Those are key roles, and I've not known a top producer. I don't know a big biller, Karen, Jim. I don't know anybody out there who's a big biller that is totally devoid of any support at all. My point here, I guess, would be that to say you're a sorcerer is a very, I think the title's either a misnomer or a limitation.
0: It needs more of a functional title.
1: Well, I think to say you're a sourcer means I'm going into companies and getting names, period. Right. Right. All right. When a researcher does so much more, this isn't the right form for me to give you guys a 30-minute description of what a researcher should do and how they can do it and how it can help. But let it suffice to say that if I were to look for someone to do that and their skill set was limited to just doing sourcing, then I wouldn't want them. That's not enough. and so if you say to yourself, I'm going to be a sourcer, then I think you're severely limiting the perception of what you do both with corporate clients and with the recruiting industry. I get calls every week from people who call themselves sorcers, And when I interrogate the person as to what they can do, they end up telling me, well, I use electronic tools and I go out there and I get a lot of names and I pull in a lot of resumes. Of people, And if you give me the requirements of your search, I'll go out and find you all these leads. Well, uh, thank you. Appreciate that. But no, I don't want that. I don't do that. I already have people that do that anyhow, and they do a lot more than that. And so the the, the one thing I, I try to be sensitive to people that call me and, and, are, and are in that particular name group of sourcers, the fact is, they're not doing anything for me or for a company that most companies can't do now without them hmm. so i mean you know wake up and smell the starbucks guys <laughs> there's most of the companies out there are capable of doing this and the other issue i have with that whole sorcerer thing karen
2: uh-huh.
1: is that i follow the blogs i follow the news groups my researchers do it because i've got two full-time researchers and they're constantly bringing stuff to me with one eyebrow one eyebrow cocked up because these people have some of the most nefarious practices I have ever heard of. <laughs> and, Sorry. And going back to what we talked about, some of those nefarious practices or underhanded efforts or covert actions are going to get our industry into the limelight of regulatory consideration.
2: We are there already, Doug.
1: Well, I'm just saying it's going to be more than a limelight. It's going to be an arc light shining down on us, and there will be nowhere to hide. I don't think we should try to hide I think we should, as a group, stand up and say, let's clean up our act. Let's do this professionally. Let's wake up every morning and face our mirrors with pride and dignity and not worry about it. And, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I've been training people for 20. And one of the reasons, one of the core, and very, then I'll share it with you guys it's a very personal issue with me. One of the core motivations I've always had to do training is I wanted to do something that would have an effect on the upgrading of practices, the upgrading of process, and the upgrading of perception of my industry, what I've chosen to do for a living. I left a bomber and went to a desk. When I left the bomber, my, my reputation was intact, okay? When I came to the desk 30 years ago, wasn't quite the same reality. And so I strove from day one to become a perfectionist at what I do. It has reaped me great rewards financially, but it's also given me the opportunity to try to pass this stuff on to other people so they can not only reap the great rewards, but as a collective, hopefully I'll have some small, minuscule, you know, bb size impact on our industry's professionalism. That's one of my personal motivations. All very interesting. Self-regulation
0: is something that I think I want to focus more on in 2007. I think it's a pressing issue. Doug, be about. I definitely appreciate your time here in the lounge. Before we go, though, I want to uh, ask you how can people contact you? And tell me a little bit about what you have going on. I know you have a couple of things on the horizon, I want to sort of mention it here in the lounge, oh, if you will. Well,
1: um, I've, I've got a pretty heavy schedule this year. Um, I've got I've, what I've been doing quite a bit of lately now is in house training because so many recruiting firms are growing. Mm-hmm. They're adding staff. These staff members need trained in a competitive process. Um, What I bring to the uh, firm sometimes is the advantage of of being the outside voice. And uh, I know as an owner I have sent my people out for training. How about that for irony? (laughs)
2: But
1: but that's because I can't be a prophet in my own land. Sure. These folks can. Anyhow, um, I've got uh, training scheduled internationally uh, in the Pacific Rim. Uh, down under, uh, over in South Africa. Uh, I'm going to be doing quite a bit of speaking this year to various recruiter associations that are, ironically, based on our discussion, industry-niched. And uh, and on an annual basis, I speak to quite a few state and uh, national organizations like NAPS and NPA and uh, IPA. Um, But I'm also doing a lot of new office startups, a lot of recruiters that have some limited practice Uh, are coming to me and saying, hey, I want to run my own business. How do I do that? And I set them up. Uh, I also uh, have started quite a few offices in the last six months from people like you and me, Jim, Hmm. people who are baby boomers that are ready to break the mold away from being a corporate employee and become entrepreneurial. And they want to do it in a way that they can have freedom of choice in life and lifestyle. So uh, I've put quite a few people into our business in the last six months, and I'm scheduled to do quite a few more in the next year. Very um, cool. Very and cool. And also, I just came out with a product. Okay. Um, for many years, I had a series of CDs you could buy that were speaking on the process. And for about a four-year period there, the process remained pretty static. didn't change a whole lot. Um, but the process has to evolve with the market demand and the market corrections. And we've been through, as I said, a big change in our industry and a big demand on us to change the way we, we do things. So a lot of veterans, as well as, I call this the affectionate term, Jim, but the rookie recruiters, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, I created a whole new system that's six hours of very intense recruiter training on audio CD. It's six separate CDs, and it's the whole arc of the process from Genesis to Revelation, (laughs) from womb to tomb, whatever you want to say. It's it's from the initial efforts to select markets and, and niches to marketing, recruiting. And and the process of gathering names and sourcing, as we just said, and all the steps it takes to get to the point where the candidate shows up for work and the client's happy and you move on down the line. And so this process, which has been proven out over thousands of desks, has just been redesigned and recreated in a new training process called the Complete Recruiter Training Process System on CD-ROM. And it's... Being offered early this year because it was released January 2nd, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm offering it this month for $249. It retails for $500 on my website. Wow,
0: that's a great deal. That's but a great they can,
1: deal. They can reach me at my email, which is pretty easy to figure out. It's db for Doug Be About. and it's at doug d o u g b Be about b e a b o u t dot com, or you can call me. I do work on the phone a lot, so calling me is never a problem, 850-398-4302, and uh, that's my office phone. And uh, if they're interested in this product or any of these services, I'd be happy to discuss it with them. They can look at my website, which most of them have already figured out is dougbeabout.com.
2: Now, I want to tell everybody this guy's stuff is good. I got the opportunity to meet him many years ago, and, oh, wow. He is amazing. It's definitely worth your time. It is definitely worth the money, and it's definitely worth the investment.
1: Karen, I'm honored by your flattery.
2: (laughs) It's honesty. I would not say that unless you know this is true. I would not say anything unless I meant to.
1: Oh, no, that's absolutely the case. What you see is what you get with Karen. That's good. (laughs) Well, uh...
2: that's a compliment or not, but go ahead. (laughs) Call on out now because I'm cracking up.
1: (laughs)
0: Doug V. Oh, about, hold on, let, me, let me, close it out here. Doug V. About, Karen Mannon, and this is Jim Stroud. Thanking you all for listening to the Recruiters Lounge, and we'll catch you guys next time. All
1: right, thank you.
0: Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, that's it for this show. You've been a wonderful audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or <laughs> just plain hate what you just heard, uh, let me know. Your feedback matters. You can reach me through my website at jimstroud.com slash podcast. That's jimstrou dot com slash podcast. So until next time, I'm Jim Stroud, and you're not. Radio, 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 Innovative audio on demand. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay? Cool. Until next time, bye-bye. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo.